Hey modelers, welcome to the Model Geek Scale Modeling Podcast. Here we'll be discussing just about anything and everything as it relates to scale models. So buckle up for what we believe will be an exciting journey into the world of scale modeling. We really hope that you will download and make us a regular part of your modeling bench sessions. Now here are the geeks, Darren Cook, Scott Samo, Andrew Frill, and Andrew White. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to episode two here we have the uh, Model Geeks podcast. Uh, had a great first episode, it's so much fun just sitting around talking models um, with, the, with the fellow geeks here and of course reaching out to everybody out there, really appreciate all the feedback. I mean, I, I can't believe the support that we've gotten for our first episode. I mean, guys, uh, what are your thoughts on all the, the, the incredible feedback that we've gotten that first? It's pretty good. For after episode one. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's awesome. You know, I don't think we expected to, you know, hit that right out of the gate, but it was great to see. Completely agree. I mean, it's because that's really why we're doing the show is for just for the folks out there to be able to talk models and and just have a great uh, resource uh, for listening, you know, entertainment. And eventually, hopefully we'll get, uh, you know, some videos posted up um, on Facebook or put pictures up. Of course, we're already doing that. So again, uh, trying to not limit ourselves here to just a podcast, but, uh, to be able to venture out and just reach as many folks as we can. So again, thanks for listening and, uh, appreciate it. And of course you can always reach out to us. If you have an email or you want to contact us, you can grab us at contact at modelgeekspodcast.com. You know, so keep getting in touch with us, sending all the emails. Of course, you can reach out to us on our Facebook page at the Model Geeks uh, Facebook page. Appreciate any of the inputs that folks are given. So, again, just can't say uh, thank you enough to everybody out there. So uh, we'll dive right in. All right. So, um, fellas, we'll start with Darren. What you got going on, man? What uh, What's happening and uh, what's on your bench? Oh, man. Well, Hey, yeah. Well, I got the two two big projects, right? The uh, the Tamiya F14, which I really haven't touched that much. It's sitting over there. Uh, it's a commission build for a a good friend of mine, and it's just kind of hanging out right now because Whitey kind of planted that Desert Storm <laughs> seed in the back of my brain, and it got me on this uh, this first strike hornet. So I'm uh yeah. Now Sorry, I think man. Whitey Whitey planted that seed with. A lot of people, you know, I think, yeah, I, I, I start, I started looking at my stash cause it's soon, you know, it's just, there's so many cool kits out there, whether they're, you know, just, I mean, there, there's a ton, you know, a sevens, F one elevens, one seventeens, F 60. I mean, there's just, you know, yeah. And I'm gonna hold him to it. He said he was only going to do desert storm subjects this year. So that's all I, so I'll, so all I want to see come off your bench, Whitey. Well, you 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 started it's easy that, to do. The one seventeen is what started it, man. That that thing turned out really looks gorgeous, man. Yeah, it looks oh awesome. yeah, it Put, looks putting that on the uh, the the Facebook page there really. It kinda, oh, thanks, man. Kind of took things off, but I've got that kinetic hornet, and you know, there's some earlier pictures on the Facebook page of the first iteration. Of course, that one got yeah, slammed yeah. against the wall, right? I was gonna <laughs> say, Darren, yeah, you colonized it. Yeah, uh, for folks out there colonizing. Uh, there's a, a fellow that uh, is at our model group, great guy, and occasionally 
He's just kind of had enough with models. So when you say colonize it, slam it against, you smash it, you know? So it's unbuildable. Yeah. 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 Well, so that first kit, it had some pretty uh, serious news, nose droop issues. And I went back and I, uh, as you guys know, but for the audience, I spliced the nose. I kind of got it straight, but it, it just ended up blowing out some details. So, that one uh, went by the wayside, and of course, what's the uh, definition of insane? Yeah, do, doing the do, same thing over and over, expecting yeah, a different, different result. result. Yeah. So what I do, I break out another kinetic kit. So it's uh, <laughs> but the, but this one fits. It, now that's the thing I noticed though is the first one that you were working on. Uh, yeah, looked like there were some definite uh, issues which I hadn't heard of before from the kit. I mean, I know it's a comp, a complex all the Hornet kits are complicated, whether it's the Hasegawa, even a hobby boss, or, right. you know, probably the only one that's not very complicated is the monogram one. Um, but then you're just, you know, left with not a perfect Hornet, but it's still actually a decent Hornet. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the second one, you seem to have not had as many issues with it. No, but I learned a lot from the first one. So the, those, that thing is very, uh, fiddly. There's and there is some areas up there to fill and rescribe. You just have to if you want the panel lines to be uniform, you have to do it. And uh, now I'm doing the landing gear, and the landing gear is extremely fiddly. Which you know, Whitey said last night in a text message. Obviously, it's a complicated gear to begin with, uh, but it's uh, it's just a slow roll kit, and I'm working. I have to attack it like each like the landing gear is a separate kit. I, and I'll give my, myself a week just on the landing gear, just so I, I make sure it's all correct. Uh, I'm the first one. I think I tried to rush a little bit. This one here, I'm slowing it way down, and it's it's doing really well. So all the body work's awesome. done. A lot of the subs. Uh, oh, and I was able to salvage a lot of the uh, internal <laughs> detail stuff from the first kit that I used. Good deal. And uh, it is it's it's kind of nice too because now I've got just this huge excess of parts left over so uh you know i'm sure what we're going to talk about here in a little bit but the burner cans for instance i've been able to go i had an extra set of them now so i could go in and i can try different things with those and you know if i screw something up on the landing gear well i've got extra parts so it kind of makes that good nice. deal so yeah, yeah that's it you know awesome push forward on the hornet cool well yeah we're looking forward to that yeah and i i appreciate you know uh for the listeners out there, just check out the Facebook page. We'll be posting up our builds and progress shots. So, and if you ever have any questions, of course, just feel free to reach out. If there's any techniques or steps or gouge, you might, uh, about, um, any building any of the kits, just, uh, of course, just reach out to us. We're here for you. All right, moving on for What you got, man, what's on your bench? Well, I'm still working on the tracker and I'm happy to report that, the underside, I have to do a quick dry run to make sure that I got all the antennas that are supposed to be on it on it, and then I can flip it over and worry about the stuff on the top side. So all the gear doors are on, the weapons bay is done, and I got all the dang um red door edging done on the gear doors, and that's just how, how did you how did you do sorry, there well, there there's a bazillion yeah, a bazillion different ways to do the, the red edging, I think. How did and, you um, how'd you do it? Well, I start with uh, I painted the, the weapon, the gear doors flat white, and then I shot Tamiya X22, their gloss over top of that. And after it dried, okay. I took a little bottle of Vallejo flat red 
because I think Vallejo brush paints really well. And I had a little thing of water and I dipped my brush in the water and then I would dip it into the red and I would go across the edge of the door. And the key, if you have a gloss coat, if you get some excess that runs over the edge of the door, I have a Q-tip that is also wet. And if you take it, you can wipe it off real quick over a nice, glossy, smooth surface. And so that way you keep that red edge and you just you can wipe it off if you get any over. And so I just went and did that and everything. And I set them aside and let them dry for a couple hours and then attached them. And I just used some scrap styrene rod that I had to make door actuators because the kit doesn't give you any kind of door actuators. So I got cool, that man. done. Yeah. And so now it's got to go through, make sure everything's good and then just flip it over and I can get moving on that. I hope to have it done here. I should have it done this month. I'll give myself the rest of the month to get it done, but it's getting closer. That's the important thing. And then yeah, the getting, getting, <laughs> getting aggressive with the timeline, but that, yeah, I, I know you've been working on it forever. We give you a ton of crap about the tracker, but, um, uh, it, it's really, it's looking awesome though. So you put all that time and yeah. effort into it. You're rewarded with something that's super cool, super unique. And, uh, I can't wait to see it finished. You know, it's, it's, it's either. really looking good. I, I know we give you a ton of, garbage but but it, it's it's all it's all out of love man you know oh, it's it all good in my cool in my fondness for drinking games so you know we can every time <laughs> we uh hear the word tracker we can <laughs> well yeah. i'm kidding my a4m it is all deckled and everything so all Ooh. i have to do now is just seal my decals and i'll put a wash on it and paint the gear doors and gear bays the white and again, that will be another trip with the Vallejo flat red on those because the Skyhawk, the A4, their doors are all edged in red as well. So, and yeah, I'll do that the same way. That's interesting, your choice of that Vallejo flat red, because that's a more muted uh, red than some of the other bright, bright reds. You well, know? if you so think it's about a, it, it's really a good choice. Like when you're in a fleet, right? And, you know, it kind of cracks me up is, well, what cracks me up is everybody takes all this time to make perfectly sharp red door edges and everything. But if you go out there and you look at a fleet F 18 or fleet P three that we were around, I can remember fueling a P three and sitting there looking at it and like, Oh man, look at all this overspray. Like there'd be, <laughs> there'd be like 16, 440 overspray all over the, the door edges and everything, because it may come from the factory all nice and crisp and everything. But when you've got a couple of fleet maintainers working on this thing and a couple PDM, you know, NADEPs and everything, that are out there and they got to paint this thing. They, they really don't really put a whole lot of effort into their masking efforts when they go and they paint. That's a good point. And so you'll see it. It's all like beat up and everything. And we had one, it didn't even have any red door edging on it. And so it's kind of like, Oh, you know, so that whole realism versus, you know, aesthetics, I guess. So, but I mean, it's fun. And so I'll do the same thing on the Skyhawk. That's exactly how I do it as well. But, I like to use it sometimes it just like a wash where I'll get it thin enough for that very first coat where all I got to do is just dab the, um, the spot where I want the, the, where the edging is going to be for the gear door and then capillary action will run the wash down yep. and, and then I let it dry and then I'll go back with maybe a little bit of a thicker paint, but at least that base color just for my eye to be able to follow with the paintbrush. But I agree that the great thing about having it, that semi-gloss or glossy surface and being Vallejo is it wipes right off. So that's yep. why I think you're, 
because I've seen your gear doors before and they look great. Um, Gabe's another one. He, you know, I think all of us do the same thing where we're using that, you know, Vallejo, uh, the flat red with thin, with whatever, you know, thinner we want to use, whether it's water or this airbrush. I don't know the, the make, chemical makeup of the airbrush thinner, but it, same thing works well, works awesome. And I, yeah, it, yeah maybe you can throw up some pictures, uh, with the gear yeah, doors or, you know, cool. Good deal. Yep. Whitey, what's up? What you got on your bench, uh, man? Well, as we mentioned earlier, I, since the last episode, I did finish up the 117. Um, pretty happy with how it came out. Um, yeah. Getting get a, a black subject and not just look like a black spot on the table. It, 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 that was my goal going in was, all right, I want to avoid that. So, yeah, I want to paint with, you know, pre-shading with uh, yellows and grays and then overcoating with that light, light coats of NATO black. I didn't want to ever use flat black on it at all. Uh, so I just went NATO black and uh, I like the effect you know, that I ended up with in the end. Yeah, I Let's thought see. it looked and, and, super cool. I, I, if you've okay. if you've got a, a picture of what it looked like before you sprayed the NATO black, maybe try to maybe you can throw it up on the Facebook page just so dudes can kind of get a get a look at. Yes, appreciating. Um, yeah, because it because it because that was you, you put it wasn't like a two minute pre shade job. Like it was pretty extensive, and that's what gives yeah. you that very subtle you know effect but it's just the it's like the more you start to look at the finish of of the at 117 the more my eye goes oh wow wait look at that look at that area look at this area and it's that subtle kind of depth that you got i think it looked really really cool so yeah i mean throw up a picture that'd be that'd be yeah. I, I love it man well, it looks it makes me i mean i ordered one i got on ebay <laughs> and i'm like man those things were like some of them were like a like with the little vehicle dude they were like a hundred and 30 140 bucks and i was like what is this i had one sold it dummy but i found <laughs> one from canada canadian guy he had with just the regular kit i think i paid like 50 dollars for it it's still in the wrapper so but uh yeah man that's a I, I thought you did an awesome job on it. it looks really cool it's a great kit i mean tammy and it goes together real nice and what i like about it versus the other uh, kits that are out there of the 170 you know the monogram one comes with a fuselage and wings and the Tamiya kit is just all, it's really foolproof. I mean, it's top and the bottom together. Boom. <laughs> uh, so you're not going to yeah. wind up with alignment issues. Uh, the gear fits really snugly into the, in, in where, where they need to go. So even keeping those things, I did use aftermarket wheels too. I used, uh, I ordered up some Royal resin. Uh, that guy makes great wheels. Um, ordered up some, originally I, w- I ordered up a set of, the early ones because i was thinking 1991 but then when i was looking through the book all the ones that were you know in the gulf war actually had the later wheels so just i mean that's a nitpicky kind of thing uh that yeah you know geek like me is going to get into when it comes to researching and things like that you know so i was like i swapped them off for the late ones long and short of it you know again his wheels are great they fit awesome you know just be careful drilling out the uh drilling out the resin but, but yeah, great, great wheels. I mean, what I like about them, they have really nice deep treads, so you can get um, a good effect with some gray. I use some gray panel line wash through down through them, the Tamiya panel line wash. You know, so what's on my bench now is, again, keep with the Desert Storm theme. Um, jumped into an S3 Viking from there. Um, the AMT kit, you know, SE, reboxed by AMT, reboxed by Etelary. Um, does that word again? It's a Larry. Say it how you say it. Uh, Ed, Ed, so yeah, how Ed, to, Ed, 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 Ed Larry. 
that long. Yeah. So, so yeah. So let's, uh, so Darren, Darren, how do you, you say it, say it again? Edelari. Edelari. And then Frill, how do you say it? A Talieri. Why do you say it? I just say Italieri. And then I say, how do I say it? Italieri. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It's hard to tell which, how do you guys say it out there? You know, there's a, tell us how you say it. Cause uh, I just, I love how chiming in. They know, they know how it goes. Hey, what's the matter for you? You were calling it this. You should have called it that. Italieri. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, cool. So you've got the S3 that you're working on. The, the cockpit. Yeah. I can't Don't remember. You already posted up. Yeah. Yeah. Looking good. Uh, yeah. I'm putting the the KMC cockpit in that in there, and it's a uh, it's nicely detailed. All the stuff's really uh, the switches and the panel uh the uh instrument panel gauges and you know it's it's all raised really nicely and um all the instruments are empty so you can punch out you know i like to when i do a de- uh, detail a cockpit i like to punch out the instrument dials from air scale or whoever your preferred man mike um grant decals did a whole bunch of sheets that i have whenever i see them at a show i'm buying a pack um and so so anyway it's a great great KMC set. Is it's a good good um, replacement for what the kit gives you anyway, because the kit is nothing but flat and decals, so that's not going to yeah, work for me. Yeah. Uh, especially in the uh, the S three, it's that big canopy. But on some of the kits, you can see through some of the AM. I think it's the might even ES3. be the, the Italeri boxings and the ES three boxing of it. Yeah, it's come like with dark. They're so black that it's it. You know, it, I just chucked them and. I have a couple of those squadron uh, S3 Viking vac form canopies um, that I u- that I'm going to use. I, I haven't used one before uh, for, for the S3 anyway. And cutting it out was fairly simple. It's all straight line. Um, but the the thing about the S3 canopy is the aft section is tinted, not the whole thing. The forward windscreens are clear. Um, so that's the effect I want to I want to get with and. In the instructions on the squadron packaging, they even they let you know that, and they rec- they recommend you using Tamiya smoke to go ahead and tint them up with. Uh, but anyway, so that's on my bench, and I'm probably close to finishing up the can- the cockpit section. Um, in fact, I was painting seats right before we started recording today, uh, and then from there, I'm uh, oh, and I'll touch on those seats it- too. Those seats look sweet. I like the scratch yeah. building you did on yeah. the, uh, yeah. the glass. Not uh, well, you know, I was going to mention that about the KMC set. You know, anyone familiar with an S3 knows that they have these really large canopy breakers up the top of the seat of the uh, Escapac seat, and uh, they're totally emitted in the in the in the resin set. I don't know whether just molding them, they just didn't want to mess with that or what. I wound up using the horns, for lack of a better word, the horns off the kits. Uh, seats and graft them onto that thing uh, to to get the the proper look. Uh, and I will pack. say that they're, they're you say escape pack. You're the es- AME, so I'm not going to argue with you. I say escape <laughs> pack. Well, good deal, man. I I can't wait to see it. Uh, like I said, I, uh, the F117 came out freaking awesome, and uh, you know, can't wait to see the S3. And then. Just for me, what I got going on, I've got several going on right now. I've got the Kitty Hawk SU-27 that I'm still working on, the 30-second scale 
um, Hasegawa, the FW190, A6, the checkerboard nose that I'm working on, just finished up the the cockpit, got the seat belts I used. Uh, it's all basically out of the box for that kit, except for the seat belts. I just used some steel Edward um, seat belts that, um, there's the steel ones are great. They just, they bend really nice. You can kind of conform it. And to be honest with you, this is, this is the nicest set that I've seen. Uh, I really like the HDW, the fabric belts, but you know, for me that it, it takes a while to, to thread them and put them together. So I'm just trying to move speed things along to try to, you know, get to the painting stage, which is my favorite. Um, and then I got a crazy bug to, uh, work on, you know, the Kitty Hawk SU-27 for the most part, it's pretty decent. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different panels that you got to, you know, fill when engine access panels and the gun muzzle cover and it just create in a speed break, just create more Rewrite time. The instructions, to, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, instructions, <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're just, you just, you have to pay attention and th- this is where the internet comes in real handy where you can, you know, get online and kind of look through, like there was a, a guy that I found, um, I, where was it? What website was I looking at? Whatever. I, I can't remember, but, um, I, it might've been, um, cyber modeler, but he had, he did a quick build and he built the whole thing and he made some notes as to, okay, the instructions call out these parts, but they're swapped or the instructions are backwards here. or They leave out this or insert whatever. Um, and you have to pay attention to that stuff. Otherwise you're going to get, you're going to get so far into the build. You're going to be like, ah, oh, now the, whether the gear legs won't fit or the canopy doors are backwards or, whatever as of right now it's just the multiple pieces and whatnot and just trying to go through the different um instructions and see what you know looking at my references and see what should be built a certain way so it's it's time consuming but i will say that the surface texture and the shape um and the detail especially with the cockpit i mean it's all out of the box the only thing i did do was add uh, some seat belts to the seat but um, it, you know, and it has sucked a little bit of the, the model mojo out of me. Um, I think that's why I started looking at the, uh, the hobby boss SU 27. Um, it, you know, Man, there's a squirrel farmer. Yeah, he is yeah. a squirrel farmer. <laughs> you know, squirrels and canaries, pretty birds. Man, <laughs> they are the squirrel squirrel. It'll pop up whatever. Yeah. Cause what did I, what did I order this week? I just got this crazy, you know, squirrel that ran across my mind with probably thanks to Justin and his MiG twenty one thing, always telling me to to build one of the Edward uh, MiG twenty ones, and and I so I want to build a thirty second scale MiG twenty one, and so uh, I've had some some uh, Santa Claus uh, Sprue Brothers gift cards, thanks Santa. So I had to had to go out and spend some money, but so working on the the two SU twenty sevens, working on the, uh, the those are both you know 40, 48 scale. Yeah, I've got two of them going at once. <laughs> and, and the the great thing is, I'll be able to kind of you know I want to be able to compare them so I can let you guys know the the pros and cons of each one. So then we'll have both of them sitting side by side and and be able to compare them. So uh, unfortunately, I'm a slow builder, but hopefully, I'll have some time. Uh, I think the hobby boss will go together really quick. I mean, the few, the main body of the airframe is only two pieces. So instead of um, Kitty Hawk, that's like 20 pieces. 
per well, side. We'll let, you, we'll let you jump on that grenade. In yeah. the meantime, I'm going to wait yeah. for the Great Wall. I'm going to wait for the Great Wall kit to hit the street. Yeah, you guys are all. You guys are so much smarter than I am. I'm. I'm. I'm not smart enough to just wait. Me, I'm like, no, no, no. I got, I got to do it now. I got to do it now. You get the get the squirrel going, and but there's squirrels everywhere. I think I looked in my closet, and uh, I've got four <laughs> other kits that are still in the process. You know, they just get shipped. You know. So anyway, cool. Well, um, guys, um, thanks. Thanks for giving us some updates on, on what you got working on. Uh, can't wait to see him again. We'll post some pics up on uh, the Facebook page and, uh, you know, again, uh, for the fellow geeks out there, you guys got questions on anything that we're working on technique wise. Uh, you know, please drop us a line, um, either on the Facebook page in the comments section, or of course, just reach us at uh, our email, which is contact at model geeks podcast dot com moving on to notes and news from the geeks all right so i think uh first and foremost we'll just kind of talk about some of the new releases that we've been able to see here uh, recently uh most notably i think uh, me being a navy guy i'm pretty pumped about this main uh 48 scale super hornet um, i know there's been some sprue shots and whatnot uh so i'm i'm pretty excited about that one as well as uh, I think there was the kinetic, uh, the 48 scale Pukara that came up. Uh, I haven't seen it on every website, but I think uh, Lucky Model had it. Um, yeah, and then I uh, ordered one up. Oh, did yeah. you already <laughs> did? Yeah, dragging on it. Well, the Falklands War awesome. is a. Uh, yeah, I mean, you guys know me, know me well enough to. I'm not a. I don't know. For some reason, it, it just, it's a fascinating uh, conflict to me. Uh, early 80s. Uh, some of the tactics that were still kicking around, and that I, I think they learned a lot from from that conflict for sure. Um, but uh, it, 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 aviation wise, it's a great uh, subject. You know, the Harriers, the A fours, um, the Antonards. Man, this is some some great. And then the Pukara, it's just always been an airplane that uh, fascinated me. And the ground attack, the utilitarian look to it, and everything like that. I mean, it's kind of a cool plane yeah i'll 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 absolutely second that i think that um it's just i don't have a lot of twin i don't think i have any twins in my case but um i just think it's something cool and i agree i'm fascinated by um i would say like desert storm first and then falklands conflict second it's just i just i remember as a kid turning on the tv and seeing like the British guys going into the into the the hills, and they've got all their cool camo and their gear on, and then you see the Harriers flying. And yeah, I was just I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I agree. Why that's a that is an awesome um, you know subject is Falklands, and that, hopefully that Pukara. I'll be anxious to see it. Hopefully Kinetic um, do it some justice. Um, and I also saw ICM really has got. I'm sorry. The sprue shots of it look great. One of, one of the things that jumped out at me was that the the wing is all one piece from, you know, all the way across through the center, center fuselage section. So you're going to get the yeah. proper dihedral and everything like that. Yeah. The wing's got a kind of a little bit of a funky shape to it, but yeah. I, again, yeah. I think that's why I love it. That's why I think it's a cool looking airplane. Yeah. I couldn't wait. And so I kind of broke down and watched a review video of it, an unboxing of the Pukara yesterday while I was at the airport. And man, I'm excited. That's going <laughs> to be awesome, definitely man. one that, it's going to get done this year because I just think those engines, you know, the engines will stand out to me, you know, and from my RC airplane days, they look like electric motors, 
but it's just such a cool like why you know it's such a cool looking airplane that i'm glad we finally have you know a, a plastic you know pukara coming out because the only other one 48 scale was that old um uh aromita company i think it is that made it and it was like a yeah, resin it was, one it was like a full it's, resin one yeah it was a nice got, that, got that you know low wing ov tennis type look it's just a yeah kind of cool yeah. looking cool looking airplane yeah that's another one you know god i wish they yes. would come out like the really really well, nice ov10 you know, one of the Desert Storm that had the funky looking nose. Oh, uh, you know, yeah. they just well, uh, flying those ICM is. in Afghanistan. So that would be really cool to see the new. They brought them back, I think, two or three of them into service for that. Yeah. So, well, ICM cool. has released uh, or has um, a new tool, 48 scale OVA, OV10A and D coming out. So those will be cool. nice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't there see the. I, I, Frodo, you had sent that. Uh, I guess you might. I think you sent the list. Uh, to us earlier in the week had that huge list of icm kits and they had some super cool i think that was you know uh yeah you're right that was one of the ones on the list yeah. so yeah they had but they had several cool i you know i haven't built an icm kit but i think they're pretty decent from what i understand you know the reviews that i've read folks that i've talked to that built them pretty good um and then i think we glossed over the the main super hornet i i, I think the spruce shots I've seen, especially with the gear and then the, the solid attachment point, there's nothing worse than great build in these rinky dink little piddly horrible. Like why can't manufacturers just make that gear attachment solid, make it robust and solid so that you're not dealing with a, a super shallow, um, you know, joint. It just creates problems. And, uh, yeah, so it looks like the main kit from the pictures I've seen, nice solid attachment uh, point for the for the main gear. Yeah, I agree. You know, I'm having that problem with my kinetic hornet right now. You got two attachment points, and it's so shallow; it's it's right on the intake. You know, so I've got it all mocked in, and you know, this is where you're going to have to super glue is not going to do it. I want to have a little working time, right? So we're going to do Andy's uh, old Whitey's uh, five minute epoxy. Get it yeah, in. it works. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, yep. and you don't need. And I, I haven't been uh, brave enough to try epoxy, um, and I don't know why that is. But I can tell you, it. The folks that it, do use it, um, Whitey, Justin, I, I think that that's their for real. I think that you're uh, using that yeah. stuff too. It's just, it's a no brainer for if you need a solid attachment point, epoxy. Yeah, and it doesn't take much. You know, no, and yeah, like tooth, me, that was a toothpick what, tip full of it's good. So. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I use on the tracker gear, on the main mounts and everything into the nacelles and the actual wheels themselves. I put all that on with epoxy, that five-minute epoxy, and they're nice and solid. There's no way those things are moving. Awesome. Yeah, cool, why man. Can I, let me, uh, yeah, let me touch on epoxy real quick because I just had some recent experience with it here. First of all, it's not hard to find. You go to Hobby Lobby, that Bob Smith industry stuff makes it's good stuff. Art A and B. It's right there in two bottles. You just mix equal amounts together in your little cup or on your palate, and, and it's ready to go. And like I said, like the name implies, you've got about five minute working time. So I put the resin wheels on the 117. Resin wheels are great. A lot of them have a flat spot. So if you're using super glue to attach them, you got zero time to get that flat spot sitting properly 
and also your gear alignment looking looking good to go. With five minute epoxy, I did all three gear at the same time. A dab a dab in on each uh, into each hole, slid them onto the axle, sat it on a flat surface. I use a piece of glass. And then so from there I have working time to get the gear, the flat spots on the flat surface, and then the gear aligned at 90 degrees to the axle or, or, you know, depending on the airplane, you know, aligned appropriately. And I, and once that stuff's dry, it's still, it's there forever. And I also used it on the, um, canopy of the, uh, 117 because I used the black box cockpit and and the 117 canopy is, uh, if you look at the reference photos, it's, it's a structure, man. I mean, it looks like something off the space shuttle, very thick framing, and so the, the black box kit comes with that. And I went back and forth debating on whether what I was going to use to to attach. And again, the epoxy stuck in my head. I was like, "Oh man, resin, plastic, use epoxy." I could have used. I, I thought about using the uh, Gator grip, uh, but I really some of these things needed clamped because there was some bend in them. And so yeah. Gator grip is great with photo etch. Um, and, and you know, photo etch to resin and things like that. I'll use that all the time. Uh, but for here, I wanted a nice solid uh, bond that I was able to clamp. And then you know, so that's what I used it, putting that structure together with the uh, with the you know the tan- tan- Tamiya canopy and the and the resin structure uh, internal structure. Um, and like I said, just a little little toothpick dab on each section. Was plenty to uh, to hold them in place solidly. Yeah, um, can't, can't emphasize it. I mean, I'll use five minute epoxy for gear going forward. Yeah. No doubt. I'm yeah, gonna it, be it, using it, a lot of that myself. Yeah, it sure. See, I, I think I probably could have used that on the Spitfire, the Mark 14 that I did. Just, but I, what I ended up doing was just drilling and pinning. So I put a, you know, just glued some some plastic on the back side so that I had a. Um, something to drill into and then just pinned it. Um, so it was pretty solid, but I think look at like looking back, I, I should have just used epoxy. Um, I, I, I don't know why I didn't. I think maybe just, I was trying to reduce the amount of the amount of it that I thought I might need. Um, and again, it's just experience. I should have just, just practiced with a, with a, with a, you know, a cheaper kit, um, just so I can get the feel for how much do I need to apply. But you yeah. guys are saying not much, you know, not yeah, much not at all. Much at all. Grab some spare and pots we'll, out of the spare pot box and, and yep. put them together and play with it. stuff. Yeah. And when I did yeah, the that's tracker, what I, too, I usually made I, I made a little uh, stand for it to sit on that was at the right height and everything. So, like, Whitey, I mixed it up and everything, and I let it sit for about three, four minutes. Yeah. And then I put it on. That way I wasn't sitting there waiting. And then that way the cure time, a uh, shorter cure time, and I was able to sit there. And while it was up on some standing sticks – I was able to get make, make sure because like the I use royal resin wheels on the tracker as well, and made sure that the flat spots were on the ground and that the wheels were ninety degrees to the fuselage. Yeah, I and that and that was how I did it. And I had it right here in front of me, and I would and I just sat there and I just and I would keep you know adjusting as I needed to. And then when I finally got, I just left it alone, and they're like rock hard. So yeah. awesome, cool. Well, yeah. So couple of. Like I said, new kits that were coming out, uh, the Ming Hornet, the Kinetic Pukara, 
uh, I think those are two that we're both really excited about. Um, so we'll be anxious to see those and hopefully, um, you know, when, when they come out, we'll take a look at them and love to, to let you guys know, um, what we think. I'll tell um, you, Scott, you know, after Mean came out with that Emmy, uh, 163B and the job yeah. they did on that, I, I'm really stoked to see how this Hornet comes out. I, I yeah, think I ha- it's got some really good possibilities. So I'm, I'm with you. I, I think Ming does a great job. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, we're, we're just excited to get, cause the, the Hasegawa kits, while they're awesome and I love them, they are a little bit fiddly. Um, and you just, you really have to pay attention. So I, I thought that, um, you know, the, the, the Hornet that I put together, it's, it's just work, you know, it's more effort. Um, uh, but the end result is great. So it's not that you can't get a great result from the Hasegawa kit or the kinetic kit. I just think that, um, I think, uh, I think we're all excited about the main kit, the new super Hornet. Um, so moving on, go, go ahead, bro. Oh, and there was one more coming out that Whitey and I are excited about. I don't know if you guys Uh are, but, um, Kitty Hawk is coming out with their FJ three fury should be hitting the streets here pretty soon. So they're continuing on their fury family with the, they released the the dash two last year. And so now at some point this year, the, the, uh, dash three is coming out and I think they're already starting to pre-order for it. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, through Lucky Model, so yeah, you can get it on Lucky. Cool. And uh, I was looking at the Hannett's Hannett site this morning, and they have it up f- for pre-order as well. Awesome guys! So I wanted to touch real quick on just the show report. So um, looks like uh, the Old Dominion Open in re- uh, for us up here in the the, the Northeast Old Dominion Open in Richmond. Unfortunately, that was canceled. But Vegas with Nats still a go. So. Vegas still looks like it's going to happen, so I think we're all still planning on going. And also, just a real quick plug, still got uh, a couple of years for this one, but PaxCon. So PaxCon is going to be our show. We have the inaugural PaxCon in 2023 down here in Southern Maryland. Uh, we've got the venue at the Hollywood Fire Department set up, um, just kind of starting to work. We had uh, the, the logo set up, we've, which is a really cool logo, um, by the way, um, designed by... Um, by us a couple of folks here on the geeks uh we all had our little our hands in it and i think it looks super cool um and uh, so hopefully we'll have have the the award set up as well and and vendors and the whole nine yards you know everything to put on a a really good show so um of course we'll be talking about paxcon that's p-a-x-c-o-n paxcon 2023 is when we're thinking about having i guess and we have the date set for that uh i don't think so that we had it, but remember COVID, we, you know, cause we we're supposed to do it next year. Right. So, it, uh, yeah, kind of got this we year. nipped it, yeah. this, this year. Yeah. We, we nipped yeah, it we were, and uh, yeah. moved it. And I don't think that we've reestablished the new date just yet. Okay. We're just thinking fall. I think it's fall time frame, 2023. Fall time frame. Yeah. Okay. But I, cool. I, speaking of dates, so I do want to go back real quick. No, let me sure everybody knows that the, uh, with the Nats, uh, they are going to start the pre-registration April 1st. So pre-register April 1st through uh, the 30, 31st of July will be pre-registration. Cool. On that. So I just saw that last night on the website. Uh, I want to put that out there. And, you know, with the Old Dominion open going away, what about uh, the no- Northern Virginia Fairfax show up there? Have you anybody heard anything on that? I haven't heard I anything. Have. I haven't. So, nope. So, Maybe no news is good news. <laughs> I guess I think at this point, I yes. Mean, 
Yeah, I, I think that the shows that might come up later summertime and in the fall might be good to go. I think it just depends on how things are going. You know, the numbers just have to drop. So we'll um, we'll we'll see how it goes. But hopefully, I mean, I, I think we're all. I'm, I'm, I just can't wait to go to the next uh, show just to meet with people and talk to them. And we've all got, I, I haven't even seen you guys models up close. <laughs> you know, everybody's yeah, right. been building so many. I just can't wait to see them and be able to chat about it. So well, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to, to, to do that soon. Well, shows aside and being that we're talking about news, Scott, how about that uh, big white elephant in the room? Huh? We haven't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, the old, again, just the, the rumor about uh, squadron shutting down. So, of course, we don't have an official letter word from the president or CEO of squadron, but I think we've all heard the rumor that um, squadron um, is closing its doors. I know if you go onto the the website, it says under construction. That's not a good sign. As far as squadron shutting down goes, my immediate thought was, what's gonna what's gonna happen with the true details line of products? And also yep. the uh, the books, the publishing, the um, in action series, the walking around series. You know, those are great books. I mean, I got a stack of them here behind me, um, like most modelers yep. do. Um, yep. You know, they're, they're what I love about them is you you can spend a lot of money on reference material, um, but those books were great reference sources and relatively cheap. Uh, and, and you know, you talk about getting inspiration. I don't know how many times I've paged through and saw a scheme and went, that's what I'm going to build, you know, that particular yeah. model as, as this one. Um, I, I know the Grumman Duck I built this past winter was, uh, or, the, or summer, was um, inspired by looking through one of their, you know, their colors and markings issues that they came out with years back. Because um, I never saw a duck that wasn't painted, you know, your traditional tricolor camo. And, and, and they had this Coast Guard one sitting in there. It was just white with the blue top. And, you know, it's plain and it's simple, but it's different. And uh, so that's what I want to building and painting. Uh, and, and again, just inspired from that book. So, I mean, those series of books are just great. The Squadron Signal publications, you know, what's going what's gonna to come of that is my thought. That's a good point. And the tools as well. And I'm hoping that you know, like when Hobbyco went away, right? There was somebody that stepped in and bought the uh, the Ravel America, you know, side of that. Uh, I think they were from Germany, if I, or they were from out of the country, but whatever. Yeah. It was bought, and you know, fingers crossed that someone's able to come in and at least salvage part of what Squadron had going on. I mean, we're so early into, and it's like Scott said, it's all rumors, so. You know, time will tell. We'll just have to see what happens as we move forward. But hopefully somebody's going to come in and, and try and salvage a little bit of, you know, of that. So Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, it's sad to hear. Um, you know, it's, I think the, it, again, it's, it's a rumor, but um, looks to, looks to, unfortunately, I think there's some good um, some credibility uh, to the rumor, you know. Um, so hopefully the hopefully the brand will be able somebody else will take it and run with it because um, again you know I just as a kid grew up with Squadron so um, anyway all right well uh, let's see moving on to uh, let's do some shout outs so I just want to say just real quick so again the, after our first episode last week 
a tremendous outpouring of support from from not only you listeners out there, all the geeks out there, um, but from all the other podcasts as well. So I just want to say thanks again to Plastic Model Mojo, Plastic Posse, On the Bench, and uh, Scale Model Podcast. You guys are, are helping us out by promoting us. So we're here to, to scratch your back as well and give you guys a shout out and just say thank you. And uh, folks, if you haven't checked out any of those podcasts, please do so. A uh, great group of guys and uh, we're kind of all in this together. And, um, you know, again, uh, makes makes for, for great entertainment. So moving on to our uh, tool and tip of the week. So uh, this is a, a fairly... Um, interesting tip. I think we all kind of like to use, and we posted some pictures of it early. Darren did with his Hornet, with his exhausts. So the tip of the week is how to get that metal effect with just dry brushing. So um, this technique is something that you can you can use any paint that you want to use. You can use whether you're using acrylic lacquer, enamel. Um, it, it doesn't really matter for me, the best result. And I found this after, you know, experimenting with different uh, materials and different makeups, whether it was, you know, acrylic or lacquer or enamel and the combinations. And what I found was that if I used, cause I hate, I just hate putting metalizer through my airbrush. I just, you know, I just don't, I just don't like doing it. It takes I just don't like doing it. So I'm like, I, how do I get a metal metallic finish without having to spray and, and smell up the room and have my wife yelling at me because I'm stinking up the house with my, with my metalizers. And I thought, spray eh. booth. <laughs> spray booth. or, or I spray to me a flat black, which is acrylic. And then I dry brush with, uh, model master chrome silver which is enamel and the reason why i found after all these different iterations is that the enamel first of all that model master chrome is really thin so that's why and, and when i'm dry brushing that paint it is like you literally cannot see it i when I, I wipe it off on a towel to where i literally cannot put any more silver onto whether it's a piece of paper or a cloth and it, i'm like is there really any paint on there oh yes yes there is so you take um say whatever you you know an, an exhaust can you paint it flat black let it dry for i don't know you know 15 20 minutes make sure that it's cured and then just take that little bit of uh silver you make sure it's nice and wiped out you get rid of all the excess make sure that brush is almost dry where you can't see any paint and then go ahead and start dry brushing it. And you will be amazed at there's number one, that there's still paint on the brush and how you can vary the effect with how many, you know, how much dry brushing you do and just play with it, play with it on, on any part. But the, because the enamel is not going to react with the acrylic, it allows a very, very fine uh, pigment left on the raised detail. So if you use, say, acrylic paint with acrylic paint, in other words, you have an acrylic, let's say you, you, you spray Tamiya flat black and then you use Tamiya silver, they will tend to mix. And you're still going to get the effect. It's just not as crisp and as clear because the acrylic paint will start to mix with each other. Just like, believe it or not, if you use um, 
lacquer over acrylic or acrylic over lacquer when you're scrubbing or rubbing hard with you can spray it you can airbrush it no problem but when you start dry brushing that that pressure that you're putting with the brush will on a a microscopic level they'll start to mix and you might get a little rougher finish or it might be a not as bright of a color so that's that's what i like to use for exhaust cans and you can use it for all kinds of panels and whatnot um you know and so for me that's kind of that's kind of uh what i've used darren what uh what's your experience with it well i i did uh so the first one i did i did with the uh mr color um i'm sorry mr surfacer 1500 black yep yep and then i went over it with the uh the silver and it did get rough I did start to see some it, some texture in there. So I went ahead and tried it again with the Tamiya X1 and uh, then went over it with uh, the silver again. And, but, but what lighter, so you used? But you lighter. used the LP. Was it, was yeah, it the LP, LP? Tamiya the LP11. Yeah. yeah. And, but I did it lighter, just a lighter touch. And I didn't get the texture that time. So it's back to the scrubbing, right? And I think it how hard you actually scrub on it now right. it doesn't take a lot either so it's just a very light but that brings but me to a question scott and that is what is your sure, preferred, yeah, yeah. what's the preferred brush for doing that dry brushing so the the brush that i use it's um i want to say it's a number two okay um this is the the particular and it even says um here it's just a, it says a shader but it's probably about i think the bristles are about um maybe about eight millimeters wide and maybe a centimeter so just long. Real soft right Lo- longer longer uh sable longer type bristles. soft brush yeah right yeah yeah it's just a a there little bit um, and it's and it's a worn it's a worn brush it's you know I, i'll even take whatever brush i'm going to use for dry brushing i go back into the into the my pot of brushes and i and i start using one that's it's it's older so it's soft and uh the the bristles are frayed. That's what you want. Yeah. So it just, and, and, but the thing about, um, and, and again, experiment, I mean, try, I mean, just, you know, I've just found that this particular, um, technique was, again, I had no idea that it was even going to work. I'll post some pictures of the two, the, 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 yeah. the one I did prior. And I'm sorry, it was the, uh, uh, Mr. Surfacer 1500 with the LP 11. That's the silver I used. I use the yep. same silver on top of uh, the Tamiya. And uh, yeah, I know. So it's lacquer on acrylic. But uh, I did a lot softer. And I'll put both pictures up there. Now, going back to Model Master, you know, not being around anymore, I did find some on Evil Bay. And I bought four pots of it, you know, last night. So I can put it in my, my paint cabinet Good deal. here. But yeah, it, it'll work. It's not like you can't, that you that you have to use Tamiya uh you know, flat black and model master Chrome. That's just for me, sure. you know, my own technique, that's what works. But I, th- just like you said, Darren, you can use whatever, but the idea is to, is to try something new. And, and I, and I, I thought about this, you know, just kind of thinking outside the box. Cause I didn't, I just didn't want to spray metalizer through, um, through my airbrush. And so now when I need to do exhaust, so those exhausts and whatnot that I put up on the uh, Facebook page, um, all the different, the pictures that I had, that's just, 
That's just dry brushing. Yep. There's not any um, airbrushing spraying at all. It's just using the brush. That's yeah. it. You did it for the uh, yeah. the uh, lighter or different shades too, like the copper shades and the. Uh, yep. The same. Thing. Yep. So some I I would even mix in just a a little hint of um, of color. Sometimes I'd use food coloring. Mm-hmm. Uh, just whatever you could use, but it's just the lighter. Some there's some inks that I've used also as well, but you just have to be careful because. For example, you know, you, you don't want to put an acrylic wash on acrylic paint or an enamel wash right. on enamel paint. I mean, that's a no-brainer. But yep. sometimes you'll have uh, chemicals that are in the thinners and whatnot that will react with paint that it probably shouldn't. But, you know, it's um, like I used some enamel thinner that I typically use to remove uh, the Tamiya panel line wash on an acrylic surface. And it was, I can't remember what testers thinner it was. I think it was, it said thinner, but then it also said airbrush cleaner. Well, guess what that stuff did when I put the wash on it ate everything up. Yeah, I'm sure it, I, it, took it, it ate it up, took it away. And, and I was like, Ooh, in the, the bottles, it still was the clear with the red label. And I just didn't see the airbrush part cleaner part. Yeah. It just, I, that was so that, you know, you have to be, careful when you're mixing washes and what um, we'll, you know we'll dive into that in another episode about using various paints and washes and how they affect each other and because yeah i think you know, i learned very uh early on when i tried to do a wash when i was using model master back in the day uh, you know oh you put a wash on so <laughs> i used turpenoid and um with uh, uh windsor and newton oils <laughs> <laughs> That's what the, that's what the surface looked like. So it was that, awful. Just that brings away. me to uh, another point, and that is, you know, to be patient when you're doing that dry brushing. And and the second is, you said it earlier, test it on something. And yeah. and I've said that in almost all my YouTube videos that I do is always test it first. Don't go out on your sixty dollar model that you spent you know, you know, the yeah. last ninety hours working on to put a wash yep. on to find out it's not going to work. Try it on something else first. You don't mind throwing against the wall and colonizing. So, yeah, absolutely. Test it out, you know, and, and you guys check the technique out, use it. If you got questions about it, just reach out to us and we'll, we'll certainly um, hop on the, our email and we'll answer you, answer you. Speaking of email, ding, ding, um, ding, ding, mail ding, call. Ding, call. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Again, um, uh, such great support such uh you know so many great emails we got we I, I i was i was shocked at how many people even not only listened to the podcast but actually sent us email and guys thank you so much i mean to the the outpouring of support uh, it was amazing yeah it's good stuff man we, we said yeah. that we wanted engagement with the listeners and and that's really starting to happen and it's it's a lot of fun Yep. And, I mean, so many great um, future topics. I mean, and, and in, I, so many people came up with, hey, guys, why don't you talk about this or talk about that for future shows? We wrote them all down. Absolutely. There's so many. It really appreciate all the we, we've got enough uh, topics right now to last us a couple of years, you know, but <laughs> keep it. But, but keep them coming, you know. It, it's great that folks are reaching out to us. That's because, again, I think, you know, like we all we've said here, you know, we want this to be a show and a podcast that people look forward um, to listening to, 
you know, provide some entertainment and some great techniques and good conversations. So, uh, you know, again, thank you so much. And we're, we'll, we've picked one uh, in particular that was near and dear to our heart. Uh, and this comes from Jay Joyce. So, Jay, thank you. Jay asked about um, Navy FS colors. So he posted this on our Facebook page and he asked us kind of what's our preferred paint to get that um, that navy gloss gold gray that you 70s and 80s tomcats i think that's that that particular color that's got a you know it's got a certain you know hue to it and some paint manufacturers nail it and some not so much so just a quick discussion here on uh on that particular navy fs color it's um the navy gloss gold gray is fs166240 and um, there's a that's uh, that's the, that that gloss gold gray. So, guys, what's your what's your thoughts on when you're gonna paint a Tomcat? Um, what color? What what company are you using? And what paint are you using? When I was doing my Tamiya Tomcat, I did the um, first Gulf of Syria. I think I said that right. Shoot down for um, VF forty one and. So when it came time to paint it, I am a convert from Model Master a couple years ago. Well, like 10 years ago now. And now I like to shoot Gunsy. So I have Gunsy that I usually use. So I went and looking through my Gunsy stash, you have H315 and H325. They both say Gull Gray. Everybody knows that... Uh, the one in front of it, so 16440 means that it's a gloss, and the 26440 means that it's a semi gloss flat, and then the 36440 is flat, according to the way the FS numbers are all broken down. So I took it and I looked at them and I noticed that they were different. And so I mixed them up and everything and I looked at them and I found that the H315 had more of a beigey tint to it, where the 325 had more of a gray tint to it. So then I was thinking, well, the FS numbers are different. That's the only difference on it. And the difference was one was a gloss and one was a semi-gloss. So that should not change the hue. Well, I was doing some searching and everything online about it a couple of years ago, and we all remember Bombshell Brew. The guy mm-hmm. who... Yeah, the acrylic Nick, I, I can't remember what his name is off the top of my head. Lewis Akers. He did, Lewis Akers, yes. Well, he d- had, in his line of paints, he had a gloss gold gray early and a gloss gold gray later scheme. And at some point in the 80s, the formula was changed for gloss gold gray. And it went from that beigey kind of color to the more gray kind of color. And so that's so you'll you'll see a mix of gloss gold gray in aircraft because you're looking at it, you're like you see one and you're like oh wait that's not doesn't look exactly like the color that I painted and that was the reason why you know so I just and so I mean it perplexed me I mean hell I could be a hundred percent wrong here I don't know but I do know that three twenty five and three fifteen are different hues and I'm like why would it be different hues when the only difference should be one is a gloss and one is a semi-gloss so but anyway i use h315 on the tomcat so 
but we're just talking this is um you're just talking the the gunsy aqueous so right. yes yes uh, the, mm-hmm. you know gunsy's a, a acrylic line so you know that's just our particular and the reason you know me i'm i'm a and you know everybody has their own way of pronouncing their different uh, companies uh i say gunsy because that's what i've always said Gunzi. and i think the connect the correct pronunciation is is gunze that's the actually way to pronounce it correctly is gunze and i'm going to say gunze because that's what i always have said <laughs> so <laughs> you can that that's just how it is some people say guns um i that that's how they want to pronounce gunze awesome cool I, it, anyway but it's the gunze aqueous line of color that's what i prefer to use and i think that the bottom line is h315 and h325 are pretty close so when i painted my tomcat i'll throw it up on the facebook page i think i used a combination of the both of them um for shading and fading different panels because i I mean for me one of my models if it's gray there might be 15 shades of gray on there um just with the different highlighting different panels and pre-shading and post-shading and and all that which is something that i love to do but um i think the while there is a difference in the shade um that came out whether it was through the fs colors i I think the bottom line is for me you know because jay's asking what do we like to use what's our preferred paint i would go with uh h315 if you want a glossy finish or h325 if you want a little bit of a semi-gloss and both of those are really close uh i don't think the color police are going to come after you if you build your tomcat and you don't have the exact perfect color shade um and uh that's for me personally whether you and i always because i always i spray my stuff pretty pretty flat so i i'll take a mixture of 315 325 and put a couple of drops of the flat the uh, gunsy aqueous flat base in there mix it up and then and then spray away um but there's several different shades i think you know just again to focus on answering jay's question me personally i recommend h315 or 325 Um, there's also the uh mr color uh c315 so I I, yep. I I did look at some comparisons. Now, I'm not uh, a Gunsy guy. I'm an MRP guy. And of course, they don't have they don't have uh, the closest they have is a 36 440 light gold gray. But uh, the co- color comparisons I looked at, I didn't I didn't see it. I went to the website and I looked through the different FS colors and I didn't see it. Uh, I, mean, I may have missed lost. something. Uh, I mean that's your but, entire. 80s 60s 70s 80s yeah i think mrp's got their version of the 166240 or 266240 or the 366240 i mean again the way it should work with fs colors is the one means gloss the two means semi-gloss and three means flat you know start the actual fs number i found the 36440 but but regardless it's when i looked at the color comparisons there was a guy on arc that did a test shot of all these and the c315 came out almost dead perfect that was that was the closest one out there yeah, Mr. Color is awesome paint if you love lacquer. Me, I, I and if I had a paint booth, <laughs> but I don't, <laughs> um, you know, I spray inside. So I think that's, and but I do just love how Aqueous sprays. It's temperamental. You got to 
we'll, we'll get to that here in a little bit, but uh, talking about paint, but um, yeah, I think that the C three fifteen H for the Mister Color line H three fifteen for Gunze Aqueous or three twenty five. Those are great colors. Whitey, what's your what's your thought on some on the FS I'd, stuff? I would roll with the Gunze Aqueous also. I'm a convert to that after after meeting you. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. Prior to that, I was a model master guy. Uh, yep. simply because that's what I knew what was out there, man. Um, and then, you know, getting to know you and, you know, not to get on a whole long ass tangent, but the, the reason I swapped was, uh, not just the paint effect that you can get with Gunsy or Mr. Color, uh, but also the fact that when I was shooting enamels, I would have to be out in the garage doing it. And I just got tired of being out yeah. there with the bugs and in the cold and everything else. So that, that, that would, that's what drove my swap from, you know, the big swap from enamels to acrylics was, was really the environmental factors. I wanted to be able to sit here at my bench comfortably listening to a podcast and painting, not running, you know, gathering parts, going out to my garage, laying them out, painting them in a hurried manner so I can get back in the warm house or the cool house, depending on the time of year. Um, you know, so, but going back to 16440, it's a funny color. I mean, and if you get into John Elliott's major USMC retired, the official monogram color guides, great books, um, either volume three or volume four gets into that swap over of the scheme that the Navy did from, from, uh, glossy blue to, to the, uh, gull gray and white. And uh, again, I, I can't, I, I don't have the specific issue in front of me right now of the edition, but either volume, volume three or volume four get into it because it, that's covering the 50s and 60s. They also get into, in his book, um, Insignia White. And why does yep. Insignia White, when you open it up, look almost tannish next to something yeah. like gloss white, you know? Um, and, and that was a, uh, uh, he he writes about that too. That where where that was a mis uh, uh, a misinterpretation of a of just white, uh, right? Because insignia, you, you know. So that's a, again, it, it's kind of a a funny thing. And uh, having shot painted air, actual airplanes, uh, mixing up sixteen vats of sixteen four forty, you would wind up with different variations. Um, yeah, and you can walk down the flight line of a P three squadron and see. Depending on the lighting, uh, three or four different variations of sixteen four forty sitting in front of you. Uh, it, it, it's it is it's kind of kind of a funny color. I mean, Frildo talked about the beige look to it. In, in my eye, I always saw like almost a greenish tint sometimes, depending on the lighting conditions. And, and that's you know, I can we're speaking sixteen four forty because that's a color we're all familiar with being being around yep. navy airplane. Um, you know, and that, I'm sure the you you'd get the same effect with with any other color. You know, you talk about some of the, even the tactical gray schemes. Uh, you know, man, after a while, the you know light ghost gray and dark ghost gray kind of blend into one gray color. You know, you you an airplane an F-14 sitting on on the line, you're not seeing that demarcation line anymore. It's almost gone. Or F-18s. Uh, you know, yeah. I think the official paint scheme of an F-18 is three different grays. But if you look at an F-18 from 20 yards away it just looks like one shade of gray 
you know, or, yeah. or then you see multiple spots and variations of gray out there, you know. That's you know when I when I know when I built the my the Tamiya Tomcat, you know, best kit that I've plug <laughs> shameless plug here. Best kit I've ever built. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. Um but I I did. I used I used several different shades, you know, not only did I appreciate with, with grays and blacks and browns and different colors and then lay the base color down. And I'm going back with, with lighter shades and darker shades just to add interest, um, you know, to the, to the finish. I, I don't think there's, there's really the only, there's no wrong answer as to what gray you want to use. I know for me, I take a look at a picture uh, of whatever I'm trying to model. And I think why do you had kind of mentioned this earlier in the week that yeah, you got to be careful with photos, you know, they can, oh, yeah. especially nowadays they can be Photoshopped. So, and, and just trying to get the real, the quote, real color, uh, you know, I just, whatever works for you, what, you know, get in the general area um, with the color, but you know, I, I would hate for me, I'm trying to do less. I still want the color to be right or as close so that I feel good about it. But boy, there's, I don't think the color police are going to, are going to come after you if you don't have the absolute perfect shade of one, six, six, two, four, zero. And I think like, like we all said, you use the, the, whether it's Mr. Color or, um, you know, whether, you know, for the, the lacquer based, um, Gunze stuff or the aqueous, um, acrylic stuff, or I think even does Tamiya have, um, a color they don't do fs numbers uh tammy but um they have something that's um, some of those even the ijn grays are really yeah. close to 16440 yeah yeah uh, yeah again you could you could roll with that sure i'll tell you yeah. what yeah <laughs> i'll tell you a color i want to see someone put in a bottle and that is the royal canadian air force s2 trackers they have that a gray green color. I, yeah. I want to say 501 109 is their actual. And man, I wish someone would do a bottle of that because that's what my track yeah. is going to be when I finally build one. <laughs> I said track yeah. it three times. So we yeah. have to take shots. Yeah. So the, the, the closest that to me has got to the uh, 16440 is their XF 19. And it's, it's really, you know, if, if you look on the, the chart, the FS chart, the, the 16440 is a little bit more beige than the, uh, xf19 which is really just i like gray you'd have to do yeah, a little bit yeah. of mixing if you want to get it close it's cool. good for cockpit so, color like interior cockpit. yeah yeah yep. uh, i will just say that what will jump out at me like a turd in a punch bowl is a is a navy aircraft painted in the wrong shade of of gray you know they're trying to do that yeah. gall gray and white scheme That's and true. if it's just too That's dark true. oh man it just looks horrible yeah. to me yeah, yeah. You're, there was. It, I know at Nats this past uh, the last one that we all went to, they were. I mean, there were probably twenty to me a Tomcats because it's a great kit. But my goodness, where there was one, was place, and it though. was a beautiful finish, but it was like purple, like it was super dark. I'm like, did you use yeah. gunship gray with mixed with like purple or something? It was. It was a little. Off. That was a little off. But you know, I, again, I think. Uh, Again, to, to answer Jay's question, I know we've gone on about this one a little bit, but Jay, um, I think that if you're if you want to use a, an acrylic based uh, color, go with the Gunzi Aqueous H three fifteen or three twenty five. If you want to use a, a lacquer based, 
uh, go with the uh, Gunsy C315. That would be uh, kind of the geeks kind of recommended approach. Uh, and again, thanks for the email. Appreciate it. Great, great discussion, guys. Um, geeks approved. Again, just yeah, geeks approved. <laughs> Uh, all right. I, I just want to kind of keep things rolling. Um, uh, again, we've, uh, said it throughout the show, but really just want to thank everybody, uh, for downloading and listening. We had a ton of downloads, uh, tons of email, keep the, keep that email coming. Really appreciate it. Um, and if you guys are enjoying the show, which I hope you are again, please take a minute, just give us a rating using your favorite podcast provider. Uh, you know, and, and not only, uh, that, that helps us kind of be able to figure out, Hey, is there anything we can improve? Do you have any tips for us? You know, if you don't feel comfortable emailing us, you know, giving us a rating just really, really helps us uh, focus on giving the listener, um, you guys, everybody out there, um, what you want and, and I'm providing some entertainment for you. Yeah. It helps out with that other- algorithm as well too. So, you know, it gets the show out there for other folks that may not know it's around, right. As they're scrolling through yeah. like Apple podcasts and, and things. So, Cool. Yeah. I, again, just, you know, any, any, um, you know, support and any kind of feedback that we can get, it just, it's, it helps us. So thanks guys. Um, one other thing I just want to quickly mention is, um, you know, if, if you guys are not involved in a local model club, just kind of look out, you know, the internet's a great resource. Um, I know we have a great club here. Um, our Southern Maryland, uh, model club is, is, is a great club. Um, fantastic group of guys. We have a great system where it's literally just people bring models in and we talk about our models and, uh, it's a, there's not any, um, you know, extraneous kind of discussions about business or no, we talk about models and it's just a blast. We even, one of the things we do, which is really fun is we, we have a great Christmas party where we do the dirty Santa. And, uh, this year was no exception. It was absolutely fantastic. So I just highly recommend reach out and join a local club. A good place to start is the IPMS USA website or the IPMS of whatever country you happen to be listening to. Uh, they, they do have a club resource, um, where you can search where you live and, and what clubs are nearby. Um, as Scott said, our club is just recently become an IPMS charter club uh, within the last yep. couple of years. Um, you know, several of us have always been members of IPMS, um, but we don't run our, I will say we don't run our meetings like an IPMS club does. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but we don't, we don't spend time covering minutes and there's not an appointed secretary and things like that. We, we all get in one spot or these days we all get on the uh, zoom meeting and we run around the room, run around the table about what, what'd you bring? What do you got? Show and tell time. That That's, that's what it is. Yep. Um, and, and, and that makes it fun. Um, I've heard guys come out of some IPMS meetings and, and they're just like, oh, that wasn't fun. We didn't even talk about models yeah. for about five minutes, you know, and, and nobody wants yeah. that. It's about having fun. And uh, so keep it fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Why? I, I think again, we're a lucky group that we've got a great, uh, a club, um, uh, fantastic group, all the members. They're just, they're just great people and, uh, makes it fun. And I think, but the club and it's, that's the intention is we all ensure that the focus is models and talking about your models and techniques and all it's, it's the fun stuff. We don't, 
uh, belabor ourselves. We we might have what like a new business and a couple of notes for what no more than two or three minutes, you know? Yeah, uh, at the, yeah, at the you most. Know, I mean, at the most. Yeah, at the most. And and then we move on for and and everybody sits there for a couple hours and we just talk about our model. It's just. It's great. I think that's how, yeah, like you said, Whitey, I think people, some of the clubs out there that focus a little, uh, on the business aspect, but you know, I mean, if it's still a club though, check it out, see how it is, you know, not that there's any right way. We, I just, lo- I love how, how, um, very much like the podcast. We, we just talk, it's all about models. It only takes two to start a club and it builds from there. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know. That's right. You know, awesome. I want to hit on that real quick, how overarching that is because, Back in 2011, I did a three-week debt to Kenloss, went to our, uh, Royal Navy Air Station Kenloss over there doing a debt. And it was a weekend. We were there. And I happened to walk around. And I saw, I heard some model airplane talk. And I was like, that's weird. And so I went over there. And the guy's name was Roy. And I guess the way they do it over there is they have a base historian assigned to every base and he upkeeps you know like you know nas ken loss i know it's not nas but but raf ken loss you know where it was at how it came about and everything all the different types of aircraft they flew and of course that was a big nimrod base and he started talking he had models on display and everything and so i started talking to him and he's like oh yeah he's like me and my guys you know my mates we all meet over here at the church or the abbey on base and that's where we do our, our, our IPMS meeting. And I was like, oh, man, I go all the way across the pond and everything. And I run into a, a model club, you know. And so I went and checked their meeting out. And it was just like one of ours. They were just like, I think there were seven or eight of them just sitting around working on models and just BSing. And it was really cool. Awesome. And they welcomed me in there and everything. And we just sat around for like five hours talking about models. And it was, it was really cool. So it was kind of nice to see that wherever you go, you know, chances are, you know, you're going to run into a, a club somewhere. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, we get I think that here it's, at PAX. It's good. You know, we got guys coming down to PAX for, uh, uh, you know, for, for, for work. Um, you know, whether it be contractors or active duty guys, we've had guys show up at our club. Hey, I'm in yeah. town for like three weeks. And, uh, Brandon. Um, yeah. Yep. So that's cool. Cool, man. Awesome. Well, um, yeah. That's, uh, I think again, you know, just trying to get, uh, folks to, to join, uh, be part of a club. It's, it's, uh, it's not hard to do. Um, and it's, it's, you know, I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. All right. Moving on. So next segment, uh, this is our main topic segment. So I appreciate you guys sticking with us and, uh, listening through. So today's topic is, um, I love the smell of Gunsy in the morning. It's paint, so it's kind of an over uh, arch. That's a that's a it's a, it's an overall. It's a big topic, right? Paint. But I figured we just kind of go through us geeks what we like to use, what our thoughts on paint are, and this is not meant to be a chemist discussion where we're going to go into all the different uh, chemicals that are used to make up all the different paints. I mean, really basically, if you understand that there's acrylic, there's lacquer and that there's enamel and how those kind of, you know, rate with each other then, and what they're used for and what the, what, what, what the best uses are for them, what the do's and don'ts are. 
that's all you really need to know. I mean, as far as some folks are, there are folks out there that have much more knowledge on, you know, the actual chemical makeup, but that's not what, that's not what we're going to discuss today. This is more um, user-friendly, um, you know, talk about sort of techniques and, and how to mix it and, and what the uses are for maybe the particular different, whether you're using acrylic lacquer or an enamel and what the pros and cons are of each. Keep it so, simple. Um, keep it simple, right? Um, so, yeah, I think um, for the most part, you know, if you're looking at acrylic paint, you're talking about Tamiya, um, Vallejo, um, Gunsey, of course. Um, and of course, uh, Mr. Colors, Lacquer, um, you have MRP that has just recently come out in the last, what, two or three years, I guess MRP has been out, which is just absolutely amazing paint. Um, you know, and there's, and there's of course enamel. We all, I think I grew up using model master enamel, which was, you know, at the time was, that's kind of the only thing that was out there. So, I mean, when I say acrylic, I'm talking, um, to me, a gunsy type of paint, right? That's a, um, it's a, it's a type of paint that you, um, you can use isopropyl alcohol to thin it with, but you don't want to use water. We're not talking acrylic, like craft paint, right? Like you would buy at Michael's or Joanne's or a craft store, Hobby Lobby, where it's literally, it's water-based, like late. It's, that's not what we're talking about. You, some folks use, can use, you know, use craft paint. Um, I don't recommend shooting craft paint through your airbrush. No. Um, if you're, if you're a beginner and you're learning, uh, that's just a huge no, no, don't trying to spray craft paint through your, it's just going to gum up and you're going to wonder why is it not spraying? It's cause it's craft paint. <laughs> it's meant to be used with a brush. It's craft paint here. Yeah. <laughs> craft, craft paint. Um, for a reason. You can use it, but craft paint is used use the main use because it's water-based it is it's not a solvent based we're talking about you know you can use craft paint to paint on a poster board or do art projects for uh for school or whatever that's what craft paint's for or if you're going to paint wood or whatever but if you're talking about putting paint on a plastic model we're talking about a solvent based acrylic like gunsy or tamika even MRP has their aqua line. Awesome. Okay. That's, that's the acrylic kind of paint that we're looking for. And when I'm, and when I'm, when I like to thin that stuff, I use, um, X 28 to me, a thinner. Um, that's kind of my favorite go-to, um, thinner. I just think that, um, the paint consistency that I can get to spray it through the airbrush uh, works really well. Um, and it has, to me, it has the right amount of dry time. So, but there's other thinners that you can use. Like you can use a lot of people are big fans of, um, Mr. Leveling thinner. So, and you can use that with lacquer based paint, or you can use it with acrylic paint. Like you can, you, you can use, um, Mr. Leveling thinner with Tamiya paint or Gunsey aqueous paint, um, all day long, just like you can use Mr. Leveling thinner with, with lacquer based stuff like uh, Mr. Color. Um, it, it tends to increase the drying time a little bit. Um, the bottom line is that if we're just talking, we'll talk about acrylic right now is just, again, um, it, acrylic is great because of the smell, you know, it's, it's not as toxic as say lacquer or enamel. Um, so I can spray it indoors. It provides a very smooth finish 
it's also soft paint so it's it it's um tends to to be a little sticky if you can't handle it as quickly as you can say some of the other paints that might dry a little bit faster and to help with drying time they can you can put um rapid thinner so gunsy makes a rapid thinner that'll help the acrylic paint dry a little bit quicker just have to be careful with tip dry though if you put too much of the um the rapid thinner in there um the you'll get the the drying on the tip of the airbrush so then when it's coming out it's just um a little bit you know you have to open the nozzle just a little bit more and you have to continue and be cleaning it off so anyway guys i'm um talking about acrylic paint here so what are your kind of some of your thoughts on uh um you know using acrylic and what do you what do you think about using acrylic I switched over, like I said, probably about 10 years ago now from Model Master to acrylic. And it was Tamiya acrylic. And I like it because Tamiya paint is very forgiving. And I, th- I think it's easy to use. And it is, you know, very, I mean, it's it's good paint, hands down. And that's what I used as I was taking myself off of Model Master. And nothing against Model Master. It just... That moving indoors now, because like Whitey before, you know, we used to spray in our garages and in the heat in the summer and the cold in the winter and everything. And now I'm indoors. I kind of wanted to keep the smell down and everything. And so switching over to Tamiya, but then someone who we all know turned me on to Gunsy. And so now Tamiya and Gunsy are really my two acrylic paints that I use because I can use alcohol to thin them if I need to. And they don't smell bad when I'm spraying. Whereas if I was spraying in enamel with Model Master, because back in the day I used to thin Model Master straight up lacquer thinner. And for some reason, I always had a problem with the Model Master grays drying on me before they would hit the model surface and you get that grainy texture. And for the yep, life of me, yep. I couldn't figure out what the what the hell it was from and everything. And that, you know, so you take that into account. And then, too, I was spraying in Florida, Northeast Florida, in my garage when it's 105 degrees in the garage. And so all these things just played into it. And so I was like, ah, I got, there's, there's got to be a better way, you know. And so I s- switched over to the Tammy at first. And then, like I said, I got into Gunsy. And, and that's pretty much what I roll with. And because now I can spray, you know, I won't do a real heavy session without opening up the door or anything, but I can do, you know, general stuff and I don't have to, you know, the wife doesn't complain about the smell smelling up the house. So that was a big thing for me was the smell. Yeah. I think that, you know, uh, for me, the, you know, I, I prefer, I I do think that some of the lacquers are like, for example, the model master paint, that that's what I grew up spraying. That's all I had. I didn't even know. I didn't even know anything else existed it was available at the hobby, the local hobby shop. They didn't carry some of the other uh, finer acrylic or lacquer based paint. It was just model master. And they had that huge range of colors. That's just what I grew up with. And I had, you know, um, a friend of mine, uh, well, two people, um, Gabe Pincelli and then Mark Schachter. They're the guys that, that told me about, Oh, you gotta, tr- you gotta, you gotta try Gunsy, Aqueous especially. And I was a little hesitant at first because when I, when I would try to mix it and then spray it through the airbrush, I just, I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it to spray right. And so I asked him, I was like, Hey guys, what am I doing wrong here? Like I, I, I can't get a nice tight line in, in my, my 
finishes are pebbly and they're grainy. And what am I doing? And it really boiled down to how I was thinning the paint. I was probably, I was taking the, the paint right out of the bottle, putting it into the jar and using just a little bit of thinner um, at the time, just regular, again, even with Model Master, just using regular uh, enamel thinner to thin it. And I was probably thinning it, I probably 70% paint and 30% thinner. And I was wondering, why is my paint so grainy? Why can I not get a tight demarcation line? What am I doing wrong? And my buddy Mark was like, because you got the wrong, you got the ratio inverted, buddy. You should be spraying 70% thinner and 30% paint. And I just looked at him like he had horns growing out of his head. I was like, you're doing what? You're putting that much thinner? And he's like, let me show you. And he showed me. He mixed it right in front of me. And he's like, that's how thin you need your paint. I was like, what? And then I sprayed it through the airbrush. And I was shocked at how much better the paint flowed when I use that ratio. So even today, I, you know, and you can go probably like a 50 50 ratio. Just me personally, I like to use, you know, closer to a 70 30, so 70% thinner, 30% paint. Um, just it, it's a little thinner, takes a little longer to cover, but then you get that nice, smooth, even finish and you have a lot of control over the paint. Um, whereas if it's that thicker, paint boy you start pulling that trigger back next thing you know boom the paint starts coming out and you're like what is that? you know it's just all this speckled mess all over your model so yeah it's 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 how to mixing the paint is just as important as what type of paint that you're using yeah so i i shoot t- to me a paint uh when i when i do shoot to me a paint i i do that 50 50 mix that to me that's that's just about right with the you know, a, a lower air pressure. I don't have the air pressure cranked. I, I hear people cranking their pressure up to, you know, 20 PSI, 22 PSI, and of course, you know, 60. What, yeah. You know, and so, yeah, talk about pebbly, right? And, and tip dry. You're just going to get stuff everywhere. So I, I have it cranked down to about 14, I guess, 14 PSI, somewhere in there. Yep. And, I'm like uh, 12 or 15. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you talk about mixing. That That's the thing I love about I'm an MRP guy, right? I'm a, I, I love him. Yeah. Moving on to a lacquer base. So let's talk about, let's talk you know, lacquer. Go it, ahead. It, MRP and Tamiya are the two that I shoot pretty much primarily. And, uh, but I'm an inherently lazy guy, so I don't like mixing. <laughs> I, I don't like it. I don't like throwing, you know, going through all the cups and the, the, the pipettes and everything else trying to mix stuff. Uh, and MRP is a no brainer. It's already pre-mixed, right? Now I have thinned it down even further to do, you know, some light coats. Uh, f- for instance, uh, uh, oh, what's it called? The marbling. I, I try to want to bring my marble layer up, my black basing. Uh, I might thin it down to start getting some, you know, lighter coats. Uh, but as a general rule, you don't have to, you know, it's, it's yeah, that, thinned down already. It's, it's really good stuff. You're right. As far as the, the, the lacquer paint that I've used, um, you know, MRP's lacquer line is just, I've sprayed it out of the airbrush and I'm, I'm blown away at how you can just put it into the cup and start spraying. There's no mixing. There's nothing. And the, the finish that you get is just, it's amazing. Um, it's just the, I think probably the only drawback about lacquer based stuff is it just got a strong smell to it. 
kind of yeah. like enamel. You know, that would be the only drawback. And then, you know, just the technique that I use, I like to dial down the flatness a little bit. Um, to me, when I'm spraying with the airbrush and I'm wanting to get that real nice, tight uh, demarcation line, that's one reason why I'll thin mine down quite a bit. I mean, if I'm going to spray a big, a general area, like put a, you know, like for example, the Tomcat that was basically the same color, um, I did make it a little bit thicker and I'd open up the brush, but not a lot thicker. I mean, maybe like 60, 40 or something like that, just because I knew I didn't need a demark line. Uh, so I went ahead and just to provide a nice base coat, but I've still got more thinner than I did paint. Um, and I think if you could look at an MRP bottle, there's more thinner in there than there is paint in there. Um, but it's, but I think the, whether you're spraying M, and MRP, I think where are they Ukrainian? Is that the, where they're made in the Ukraine? Um, I, oh, I, I, I think remember. so. I think so. But, but I agree, Darren, the, the color range that they have just, it's nice. It's really nice. They do have an aqua line that is similar to, to Mia. Um, I, I've never used it though. I, I sprayed some the other day. Um, and, uh, I like it. Um, yeah, I, I, I used, I, so yeah. Yeah. When I was doing the Ming T 10 M I used their, uh, Russian four BO green and I used the, uh, Mr. Color or excuse me, Mr. Paint acrylic line and, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was it was pretty good. So good stuff yeah. out there. Why do you have Definitely. Slovakia? Slovakia. Slovakia. Gonna, yeah. Shout Slovakia. out to a Slovakian friend. That's yeah. Why do you now you've used um you know, you said that you really like the Gunsy Aqueous stuff. Um what's been your experience as far as mixtures and using that that particular line? What have you what have you liked about it? Um, again, like you said, keeping it thin. Um, you know, I'm a, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the 16440 discussion, uh, a convert from enamels to, to acrylics. Um, again, you know, so my primary paints in my toolbox over here are Tamiya and Gunsy. Uh, probably a, fit, a mix of both the aqueous and the Mysticolor. Um, I like some the Mysticolor stuff is great too. Um, I open up the windows and run the fan when I'm shooting that. And I'll just, you know, as a caveat to just cover the whole conversation, I have a respirator that, that if I'm spraying more than just a little bit, you know, if, if I'm just going to touch up something real quick, I, I don't throw on the respirator. But I do have one here that if I'm going to do a long pain session, the respirator's on, and I usually kick a fan on the push, you know, because I'm in a tight spot. My, my modeling room is a utility closet off of the basement. Uh, it's about six foot by 10 foot. So I'm in a confined space and uh, I don't have a window here. Uh, so I, 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 you know, push the air out and, uh, you know, and I'll crack the back door to the basement if I'm, if I'm shooting a lot. Um, but just in general, yeah, Gunsy, uh, I'll mix a small amount. All my paint, uh, I'm typically mix, mixing small amounts at a time. You know, Darren talked, quickly there on cups and, and pipettes. I have one pipette, a glass one that I used to, and the only thing I use that for is transferring the thinner into the paint. Um, I'll typically just uh, use my paint stirrer, spatula, if you will, that I stir my paints with, and, and I'll use that to scoop paint and, and, and drop put drops into the cup that I'm shooting, uh, that I'm, that I'm going to be mixing in. And I have two types of cups. I have like a medicine cup size collection that you know you get on amazon and get a box you know a bag of 500 of them 
And what I also discovered on Amazon was tattoo ink cups. Mm-hmm. Man, those are what I use the most. I know I'm not going to mix more than what I'm going to use, you know, so because due to their size, you're already limiting yourself to how much paint you're going to be pouring into them. Uh, so, uh, you know, that eliminate that cuts down on the waste. Um, but then typically I, I don't keep like, I, I know you keep bottles of pre-mixed paint around. I don't do that. Cause I, all my airbrushes are minus one or all gravity fed, which I prefer because again, I'm mixing a small amount of paint at a time, pouring a little bit in the cup, shooting it. Um, and I, you know, I, again, cutting down on waste is, is what I'm trying to, you know, reduce. Yeah, I think um, for me, I used uh, for years, you know, I started off learning with a siphon feed um, Badger. Uh, I think I had a Badger 100 was my first airbrush. And um, but just, again, didn't understand how to mix paint, how to spray it. So I think it ended up going in the garbage. Uh, but then when I finally understood, OK, this is how I need to thin paint, how to how to properly spray it and clean the airbrush. Um, I use the Badger 150 with the siphon feed. And that's just kind of what I got used to. I like the smaller the feel of having that particular airbrush in my hand and, and where I rested. And I, I became very comfortable with that. And then later on when I switched to uh, an Iwata, um, again, I used the same um, type of siphon feed and, and folks kept telling me, dude, you got to try gravity. You can, it's, it's just, it's going to flow better. It's going to spray better. I'm like, eh, whatever. Well, lo and behold, you know, Badger had one of their sales that they have their anniversary sale usually yearly. And so I was like, well, I'll pick up a couple of different airbrushes. So I picked up a Badger Chrome, a Sotar 2020 and converted. <laughs> so now all my siphon feeds are in the drawer, all seven of them. And uh, I have uh, my uh, Chrome that I use to do the general paintwork. And then I have my Sotar 2020 that I do, you know, the, the nice demarcation lines and, and spray that detail painting. Man, that thing's um, a laser, it, isn't it? Un- unbelievable. If yeah. you guys, if, if I had to recommend an airbrush, I would recommend the Sotar 2020. It is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. I, I, I am, I'm blown away at how nice it is. The Harder and Steenbeck, awesome airbrush. I'd take a... 2020 over it uh, that's just me I, I i think it's just an amazing piece of gear and it's just i only use it for detail spraying and the chrome's a great mm-hmm. it's a pretty rugged airbrush as well i mean can't go wrong with any iwata or the the hns those are great airbrush just for me personally they just those are the ones I've, i'm using now you know i and uh and i'm and i'm really enjoying it but back to specifically talking about paint um, yeah, I, I have now kind of like Whitey's doing with a mixing and it's small little batches. And I actually, I don't use a, I'll use a, a piece of, I cut sprue, um, off of, you know, when I'm done with the tree, I kind of cut up the sprue to have like little plastic sticks and I just stick them in a jar. So I had the, the regular sprues to do the general mixing, but then I use, um, to, to pour into whether it's a cup or a jar, if I know I'm going to want to keep the paint around. Um, Oh, and I actually use a regular brush to mix in the jar or the cup so that I'm getting all of the pigment off of the bottom so that I don't have any speckles or anything left that might potentially clog the brush. So, um, that's just, you know, how I like to do it. And, uh, and I use the brush to be be honest with you, I'll, I'll mix the big brush and I just put the brush into the, into the paint cup 
into the actual cup itself on the airbrush and just kind of move the paint over that way. So I'm not wasting anything. And that's something that's, uh, kind of seemed to work, um, pretty well lately. Um, and yeah, so, so for spraying, I prefer acrylic, um, because of the reduction in smell. Um, I like to spray it. I always put, uh, spraying Gunsy Aqueous. I like to put a drop or two of the flat base in there. For me, I just can get a little bit closer and a lo- provide a little bit more detail if I'm spraying flat versus spraying gloss. The main reason why I moved from enamel model master to, to Gunsy acrylic, especially the aqueous line was, um, the effect of the finish and the washes and the, the subsequent you know, uh, steps that I would take to enhance the finish that I, I, me personally, I like the, the ability to use an oil-based wash. I can't use my Windsor and Newton, um, oil paints with, and with, um, um, you know, terpenoid or whatever, uh, formula you want to use. Even some guys can use Rosnol. The uh, lighter fluid actually worked really well, but, um, it was the ability to spray a nice base color and then have a nice uh, wash that I could put on top of the paint and not have it be affected. So, it, for example, that's why I love the Tamiya uh, panel line washes, um, the enamel. I think that, you know, for me, putting those on top of the acrylic based, whether it's Tamiya or you're putting it on top of um, the Gunsy Aqueous, just works really well. Um, and sometimes you have to be kind of careful, like some of the different finishes and the different enamels may interact with each other. So you just have to, the big thing is test it, test it out. I got my, my mule and I'll spray some stuff out, um, with paint and just make sure that it, that it's working okay. And then when I've got to remove, um, you know, the washes or whatnot, you know, again, it's using, so what's that base layer of paint, just be careful what you're putting on top to remove the wash. So you don't remove the wash and the paint. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's, and, and that, and we're just talking airbrushing now. I mean, we could get into, you know, brush painting as well. I think we all kind of agree Vallejo brush painting. Yeah. That's that's just the best stuff uh, for brush paint. I use that Vallejo. It's just fantastic. It's really good. Really good. Yeah. So I just got done painting up these ejection seats with, you know, because you mess, you're going back and forth with a lot of different colors with, you know, the different cushionings and yeah. seat belts and things like that. And, um, yeah, that stuff, it brush paints fantastically. Agreed. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's, um, that's my go to for painting. Detail painting is using all the different Vallejo colors. Uh, I think there's, you know, there's, uh, some great, um, effects that you can get with just all the different kind of colors. So it's, yeah. it's, it's awesome. Um, my and then figures too. That's what I use for for painting up. Uh, yeah, you know my pilot figures and stuff like that. If I'm going to put one with my airplane, absolutely. Now, what as far as when we're talking about what you like to spray on the model? I know for me, I'm a, I like to put whatever I need to put into the paint so that I've got a flat, you know, a fairly flat um, or a matte uh, kind of tone to the to the paint. What do you guys like spraying? Do you, would you rather spray flat or a gloss or an, or a semi-gloss or does it, you know, kind of begs the question, I guess it might depend on the subject that you're trying to model. If I'm doing something that's going to have a lot of like stencils or a lot of decals or a big like decal thing, like on a tail of like a Japanese phantom or something, or something that's got big tail, tail flash on it. 
then I'd probably use like I've gone both ways. I've you know I've done a flat and shot Tamiya gloss over that, or I've just shot a gloss, you know, and just let it dry for a week before I went back and. Usually that's what I do is I just gloss coat and do what I've got to do. But like Scott, yeah, that, though, I do like the flat paint and how it he 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 he's right to that because there's something with flat paint it doesn't like the slipperiness I guess it like I think gloss paint rolls or goes down quicker than flat paint does and so you don't you know you get for what we do with aircraft I think the flat paint is the way. It slides can, on the surface. Like when you're yeah. looking at a microscopic level, when you spray in gloss on top of gloss, that trying to get those effects, it, it's just the paint's not going to stick where you're telling it to go. It's going to slide a little bit. Whitey, I'm sorry. You were going to say something, and I interrupted you. Sorry about that. No, no sweat. Uh, I was just saying with with the gloss, like if, if especially if you're masking something, um, you know, you don't want that edge line. You know, if you're putting... Oh, yeah. evasion stripes or, or, or like putting a stripe on a wing or something like that you know you're, you're trying to cover with gloss you're gonna you're gonna wind up with that edge whereas with the flat paint you can seem to uh avoid that yeah I agree. yeah it's just a just a thinner coat so yeah when you're if you're masking like canopies yeah, using a night i i go very thin with the coats and let it allowing each to dry and then you know, it just keeps that edge from building up because that's, uh, you know, you, there's there's a hundred different ways to camouflage a model. Me, I'm an all freehand guy. I've never used masks. I do everything freehand. And while it's harder, I just like, personally, I like the effect that I can get and I feel most comfortable, even though I know it's going to take longer to do the, all my, the camo was all freehand. And that's, it's easier to do when the paint's thin. And, you know, and, and I'm a believer in, the the least amount of paint that you need or that you can use to get the effect that you're looking for the better it just in the end you're left with a smoother surface um and that's more even and uh and i don't like using you know lots of thick paint because then for example like your panel lines whether you're it's a car or a tank or uh an aircraft it just kind of fills up the panel lines a little bit and it reduces the crispness. If you're going to use a wash or something to bring out the detail, um, you know, that, that, and again, this is, this is just, you know, my thoughts on, on how I feel about doing stuff. I just, I'm a minimalist when it comes to that, the amount of paint that I'm using and, and, uh, and I like to use a lot of thinner when I'm, when I'm spraying. Um, and then, you know, of course I think, when we're talking about getting that nice smooth finish talking about compatibility, you know, whether you're spraying um, acrylic versus spraying lacquer or enamel, you have to be careful with compatibility and putting paints on top of each other. Generally you're it's smart. If you're sticking with spraying acrylic, just spray all acrylic or just all lacquer or all enamel. Well, uh, I think that's a pretty decent discussion on paint i think just to kind of sum it up you know there's really that the 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 two types that we're spraying whether we're spraying acrylic using like tamiya paint or gunsy aqueous or lacquer based using mrp or mr color uh and i think all of us have have said that we've got some really really good effects and we feel comfortable um you know using all those different uh paint types and uh, i think it's i think it's important that 
Darren hit it on the head. There's you got eight get to point A to B, and there's a million different ways to Sunday that you can get from point A to point B. And yep. uh, amen, just, brother. Yeah, you just use use whatever you see you see fit, and um, you know there's no right or wrong here answer. But I, I can tell you, you know, with our experience, we're happy to answer questions if you guys might have. You know, talking about paint or finishes or products used or what we like to use or what we recommend. So feel free to hit us up and talk to us and um and we'll be more than happy to to get to your emails and and this is just this was supposed this is meant to be a very general sort of discussion on a very broad topic which is paint i mean as we're talking i'm sure guys we could come up with a hundred different um specific uh topics just out of talking about paint so appreciate you guys taking a listen to it yeah it's good good discussion good topic and touch on the 40 other brands of paint that are out there nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just what we use, you know, it's just, it's kind of, it's just how I mean, it is. Like um, SMS. I would be remiss if I didn't mention those guys down in Australia. They're, they're competing with MRP, right? SMS paints. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't yeah. mention a bunch of different paints, but yeah, I got to tr- give them a try. That was, uh, again, great discussion. Uh, you know, I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast so far. Um, please, you know, feel free to reach out to us. Um, again, contact modelgeekspodcast.com. Um, keep sending us the emails and hop on the Facebook page. We'll put some pictures up there of all the different um, techniques and whatnot that we've discussed. If you if you have some requests for some some different types of pictures, again, just let us know, and we'll certainly here to re- we'll reach out to everybody and uh, and try to give you guys what what you're asking for because that's really. Um, that's really what this is all about. You know, again, it it's, it's about you, the listener, you know, really appreciate everybody listening and taking part in this. Uh, it's, it's a, it's, it's a dream come true for all of us to be able to just sit here and talk models. And, uh, really, even though we're only on episode two, um, really enjoying it so far. So again, thank you to all the fellow geeks again. Thanks. Uh, thanks to Darren. Thanks to Whitey. Thanks to Frildo. You know, appreciate it, guys. Uh, and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I know that uh, you know we have a lot of fun doing these uh, podcasts. And again, appreciate you listening. So thanks again to all the geeks out there uh, for downloading and listening to us. Um, you know, really helps us um, with the feedback that we're getting, so we can move forward. And uh, please uh, join us for our next podcast. And between now and then, be excellent to each other. And uh, get out there and build something. All right. Y'all take care. Uh, Out from the geeks. See you. Good night. Later. See ya.